This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. Hey, welcome back to another episode. No, of- <laughs> no, 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 no. I figure no. I got to do it sooner sometimes. Keep John on his toes. No. Nin- no, cat, we're doing it. 1980s no. now. Oh, it's happening. A weekly examination no, no, of the importance no, 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 no. of 1980s pop culture. She's just going to run music. you right over. Play that music. You want to do it? Is that what's going on? All the people, wait, know what? All the people you want. All the people I know are here in front of me on a screen. Well, who's messaging me? Whenever I get a Facebook <laughs> message, it's usually John or you. So, Yeah. Well, it, it, your favorite people, let's be fair. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. You yeah. know other people, but they're not as cool as Kat. Yeah, I know other people, but they don't message me either, though. No. No. So they don't they don't love you like we do is what you're saying. Oh wow, what a right. great welcome back that is. And it is. That hey, welcome back to great. another episode of nineteen eighties now. A weekly examination Ooh. of the importance of nineteen eighties pop culture and its influence today. <laughs> oh. My name's Will and joining me as always are my friends and co hosts, Kat and John. Hey guys. Hi guys. <laughs> Hello. Who was that? What character was that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's emerging. Yeah. And of course, uh, John, in addition to completing his summer residency with us, is also hosting his own podcast and has been mm-hmm. uh, Gen mm-hmm. X Grown Up. Mm-hmm. Check that show out too. Yeah. Hey, on today's show, we're going to be living like, yeah. we're going to be living like, no, we're not. We're going to be <laughs> questioning whether or not parents should let their kids live like it's Stranger Things. We're talking about mm-hmm. right now, should they be doing mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Before we do that, we're going to chat about 1980s news, including uh, a new album from a music legend, the role that Robert England didn't get, a real-life Chucky, <laughs> the loss of an iconic treat, and the trailer for Dungeons & Dragons. That's a lot of stuff. Look at Will writing a tease. That's like uptown, big-time podcast. I was listening right to there. Gen X Grown Up earlier today. <laughs> I got to tell you the truth. John did that, and I was like, oh, yeah, we should do that, too. <laughs> hey, you know what? You can have that royalty-free, because I didn't invent it. You're oh, totally welcome. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And now we're going to do fourth listener email. Uh, this is up by uh, Karen, our fourth listener. I'm just going to read okay. your emails as ma- I was. Ma- maybe dial that one back. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> hey, guys. So, look, we're back. Uh, we took the uh, month of July off. Sort of. For lots of reasons. Sort of? Oh, yeah. Well, sort of. Yeah. I was here every week. Honestly, I was here every week recording something, but it was yes, short. Yes, you were. For the most part, I guess. A man who never sleeps. Yes. Will. But, uh, you know, so, but, it's not but. Um, so, but you guys had uh, some, uh, you know, fun. I, I did take some time off ultimately at the end of July. I just got back from my trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Good for you. And uh, I know you guys had some adventures as well. So I wanted to touch base with you to find out because, you know, they were, they Look, you're my friends, but also they have ties to what we talk about here, including, uh, you know, 1980s pop culture, including uh, Kat's concert and John's convention. So, Kat, you traveled to uh, jolly old England uh, to see your favorite band. I did. How did it go? Oh, Oh. Oh, the concert. Oh, the concert Mm. was amazing, amazing, Mm. amazing. And it was like two concerts in one. Okay. Although there Mm -hmm. were other performers, too, that I didn't get to see. But Nile Rodgers was there oh, with Chic yeah. and they did a whole set mm-hmm. and I was exhausted from that. And I was like, I, <laughs> I need to call up some more energy for the reason why I'm here. When Niall Rogers Durant. came on, did you uh, freak out? 
Yes. <laughs> we, yes, we did. <laughs> That's what you so, should. He was so cute. He came out and was just waving at people before anything. That was like, the whole Before thing? they even came on. Yeah, no, that was it. <laughs> oh, my money back. <laughs> and my set's over. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even sure that was Niall Rogers. Did you know who that guy was? He had a hmm. pink suit on. <laughs> so he opened for Duran Duran? Um, yeah, sort of. It was a festival. So there were oh, other performers yeah. earlier mm. that we didn't really get to see. Okay. But um, but he, perf- he he was the set right before Duran Duran. And then mm. he himself came out and performed with them for oh, a few songs. Ooh, very yeah. Cool. And I, there's no words to describe how amazing Duran Duran was. It was... Uh, Best moment, Kat? What was, what was the moment? What was the chill moment? I know you had it. Oh, man. <laughs> well, it was an overall peak experience. Okay. Um, All right. Oh, man. It'd be great if she was like, well, I guess the best, uh, I had the chills when Simon and I were making out. <laughs> <laughs> my, my husband did give me a pass. He said, if you find yourself oh. alone in a room with Simon LeVon. <laughs> Does that motivate you to try to get in a room with Simon LeVon? No. Oh. <laughs> what am I going to do? It, it didn't demotivate her. Can I have a hug? And while you're at it. <laughs> Look, can you read this card that is signed and notarized? <laughs> so um, oh, there wasn't any one moment, but every, like every single song yeah. that came on, it was, oh. You know, and then wow. actually, you know, you know, the peak, it wasn't a moment, but just um, like singing along with mm-hmm. the crowd. Yep. And it mm-hmm. was, I mean, everybody, like every single song that came on, it, it was even the new ones. Everyone was excited about every single song. Mm-hmm. And so just being with a group that, that everyone was just loving every moment of it. Yep. That was really was it a mix of older and younger people, new fans and fans your age, that sort of thing? It was. It was quite a mix. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'd have to say, I mean, maybe it was mostly folks my age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I did In their see, prime, you mean, of course. That's right. That's right. A lot of youngins like me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was definitely a range. Um, and there were a lot of drunk British people, too. Mm. And one of them kept... <laughs> Leaning on me, using me as a, as a stand. Would you mind was as if they were using your head, like holding your head, like a king or something? So, my shoulder. Oh, okay. I kept feeling a shoulder like, or a hand on my shoulder and I'd look <laughs> and this person would say, it's okay. Oh, like, I am not a shillelagh. Get away. No, exactly. <laughs> it's not okay. It's okay but if I, I touch you. <laughs> well, you know, they drive on the opposite side of the street. So maybe consent also works differently. <laughs> before you travel yep. to europe we need to talk will just okay. if that's well, your assumption oh, we need to clarify some things for you <laughs> yeah i'm just hey well very cool what was, trouble the, that way. what was the uh, encore song or oh the encore song actually the um the first encore song there were two mm, uh yeah. first one was save a prayer and yeah. simon told everyone to take out their cell phones and turn on the flashlight mm. And and a few goofy people around us actually used lighters. <laughs> Old school. Physical lighters. Yeah. They didn't follow instructions. Um, but then the very last song was Rio. Oh, very mm-hmm. cool. Last one, yeah. And you knew it was. Yeah. Every time they played something that wasn't Rio, you know that was coming for the, <laughs> right. for the, yes. the encore. And he even said, he even said before they played it, yeah. he said, should we do it now? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that would be the big one that folks would anticipate, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, of course, Hungry Like the Wolf was uh, got a <laughs> great reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had they had other old favorites as well. Girls on Film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Reflex. That, that had a, a huge reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nile Rogers actually, right? He's the one who made the reflex, the version of the reflex that became popular mm-hmm. certainly in the States and I guess worldwide ultimately. That's right. Yes. And Simon went before they did that song. He said, here's the man who we wouldn't be here without him. Mm. <laughs> and we're going to do the song that, that he uh, first gave us our, our, a very big um, yeah. jump yeah. with. I mean, they were already established, but yeah. It's certainly yeah. popular it's in Europe. Very cool. Yes. That's epic. What a cool experience, Kat. I'm glad you got to go. Thank you. Thank you so much. So likewise, great. John was uh, reveling in, uh, you know, in all things our generation uh, over at the yeah. uh, Southern Pride Gaming Expo, where uh, Gen X Grown Up were invited to do a panel. How did that go, John? How'd your panel go? Yeah. Oh, two panels, in oh, fact. Panels. And they were yeah. great. Yeah. Well-received. Great crowds. Uh, this time around, we recorded them, so we're actually oh. going to release them as bonus episodes oh. later for those of you that couldn't join us. You get to cool. revel after the fact along with this. Uh, nice. it, Southern Fry Gaming Expo is such a fun show, and this year, for the first time in years, we just went for us. Like we did our panels, but we weren't running like a booth where we were sitting and mm-hmm. manning it. So we got to mm-hmm. spend lots of time in the arcade and lots of time playing board games and hanging mm-hmm. out with friends and meeting people. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it is it, just. Like as soon as you hit like mid Saturday, you're like, oh, it's almost over. Like it's almost Sunday and then it's almost done. Like it should be a week long. It really should. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. uh, it it went great. And then it wound up really poorly for me. (laughs) Sunday morning, I was awakened by a police officer letting me know that my car had been broken into in the parking lot. Oh my goodness. Well, how did, yeah, I was one of. It was, it, How'd they know it was they you? found out my emergency contact from my something in my car because it was the oh, windows were smashed open and they called my wife and open. they knew then they called me anyway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because it was wide open. Mm. I was one of 23 cars that got <gasps> smashed into in this parking lot. 23? Yeah. So wow. I spent Sunday morning putting plastic bags over my shattered windows oh, and no. uh, tried to avoid tried to enjoy the rest of the show pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I got home and contracted the BA5 variant of COVID. And so I had that for a few days. So oh, it, no. it started Bad great. Attitude. Bad and attitude. It ended variant. poorly. Oh, oh but man. Uh, yeah. Oh. It, it didn't diminish the fun of the weekend, but it yeah. definitely yeah. put a damper on the kind of the, the, the afterglow of a fun weekend like that. Yeah. Man. So, well, tell us about mm, the yeah. panels. What about what? What were the panels about? Was it about yeah. podcast or? Uh, well, so our panels are basically little live podcasts, but they're okay. not about podcasting. So okay. this is a gaming convention. <laughs> it's about all things, whether it's video games or board games or pinball or whatever, yeah. right? And so uh, we did one panel that was run pretty much by my colleague George, uh, and that was about the investment potential and collectability of these little mini arcade machines. Anything mm. from the <laughs> like the quarter sized ones down to the key chains ones and uh, mm-hmm. how they're holding their value, investment opportunities, rareness, things wow. like that. Uh, well, well received. And then Saturday, we had a panel all about 
computer gaming in the bulletin board system era. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and mm. what it was like, you know, dialing in and taking your turn and mm. dialing in later and playing checkers and chess and messaging with people. And mm-hmm. uh, we had a lot of older people smiling and nodding. I had a bunch of young people who were, you old guys were entertained <laughs> by simple things, weren't you? Like, yeah, we were. You know, but it was, the panels went great. We had a really good time and well-received. And the fact that they weren't on top of everything else, that they were, that was kind of the cherry on top of the weekend. Right. It made them all, all that much more fun. Very cool. And those were before the window yeah. incident. Those were all before the bad things started <laughs> oh, to happen yeah, for yeah. me right, in Atlanta. Right. Okay. <laughs> it could have messed with your uh, mojo or you, right? Right. It could have. Right. It could have. It could have. Yeah. yeah, but it didn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, they were very kind to welcome us there. We had a, we had a really good time. So I'm eager to go back again. Oh, very cool. Awesome. So next year, will you do something about your car? I mean, uh, maybe I'll take a Uber there. <laughs> or you know, I, I, somebody asked me about that, and I said, "Have you heard the saying that a ship in its harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for?" Oh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I could leave my car at home and it's yeah. perfectly safe, right. Right. but I like to drive it. Yeah. I enjoy like the driving. Yeah. I could stay home and there's no risk, but I could go out in the wild and maybe get struck by lightning yeah. or hit by a hit and run. Life is risk and you could live super safe and not enjoy it. So mm-hmm. I was inconvenienced by some criminal but mm-hmm. I still had the enjoyment of the drive with a friend and being on the open road and taking my car out, letting it stretch its legs. And that's what it's for. And the sound and the of flapping of the plastic on the way out. Yeah, and, well, and on the return back, the <laughs> flapping of the plastic. <laughs> yeah, <maybe too. laughs> yes. <laughs> George, Thanks for that. George, Kat. can you speak louder? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, very cool. Hey, I am so glad and excited to be back with you guys uh, because, look, I missed, missed chatting with you. I was chatting with myself for a few weeks there until Kat joined me. Um, I missed you guys, too. And our fr- friend, Professor Mike Brass. Same here. Too, but, but um, hey, it's good to be back and uh, chat with you and blah, 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 whatever. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Will, yes. what about your time away? Tell oh, us. it was it was not Gen X anything. It wasn't 1980s, whatever. It was It was fun, though. It was... Uh, you know, I got to tell you guys, this is going to sound sick, right? I, I'm mostly just thinking about getting back to the podcast when I'm on vacation. Like, what am I not doing? I I mean, I gotta, so, so my wife was kind enough to let me take my computer with me. So I did a few things, but, um, it, it's the sparkling personalities of your co-hosts that leave a vacuum in your life when we're not together. Yeah. I get it. I get it. You you guys, I did take down the uh, cushions that I had shoved together and put t-shirts on to look like you to be in the room here. Uh, cats had a wig on. I'm not sure that's healthy. Yep. Yeah. John, I'm going to have to update yours with some more facial hair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A little, yeah, a little scruffier. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't need them anymore. I've gotten rid of them. But anyway, my the genuine yeah. articles are back. My time was, was restful. Uh, and re- re- oh, yeah. good. Well, good. I appreciate your updates and now let's get updated on some 1980s news. Hey, this uh, week, which actually happened a couple of weeks ago, but this week for us on 1980s News, Alan Parsons released a new album. Squee! Look at John. Look at and John's one third face. of our show was excited. <laughs> a, a third of us are excited about this. 
so just a couple I'll of weeks ago on July 15th, Grammy award-winning music mm-hmm. legend Alan Parsons released his latest album from the new world. This LP uh, continues mm-hmm. the classic sound that Parsons has become known for during his impressive 50 year career. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. And this one uh, features a number of guest performers, including the guitar virtuoso Joe Bonamassa, 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 Joe Bonamassa, David Peck, <laughs> And American <laughs> Idol alumni James Durbin. Uh, if you if you had been paying attention, he released a couple of singles before the album came out, including "Okay, I know what this thing is, but I don't I don't know that I ever know how to say it." Oh, Ouroboros. Yes, close enough. Yep, Ouroboros. Yep, Ouroboros. Yeah, Ouroboros. Think of like a think of like Aurora in your mouth. Try to say Aurora. Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. there. And that song uh, featured uh, Tommy Shaw uh, from Sticks. Yeah, I had to look up what Ouroboros or- or- was. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I say I know what yep. it is. I only know what it is because I looked it up a few hours ago. But it's that uh, serpent <laughs> yeah. eating itself uh, symbol that uh, mm-hmm. I believe originated. I had to refresh in. my memory on it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really Which was on the cover of the Alan Parsons Project album, Vulture Culture. Whoa. You knew that oh. already. What? There's quite a bit in this album yep. that is referential back to the rest of Alan Parsons' career. Okay, I see. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. the self-consuming yeah. like that. circular time. Maybe most mm-hmm. importantly is the first track on the album, which is called Fare Thee Well. Okay. Which mm-hmm. is, it's reason enough to own the album if you're an all an Alan Parsons fan, because uh-huh. the entire song is a love letter to his longtime collaborator, Eric Wolfson. Right. He and Wolfson formed the Alan Parsons project together. Sure. And mm-hmm. Wolfson was the voice, you know, who sang time and I in the sky. Right. Oh, he's the voice. Alan Parsons was not the vocalist. So, so while Alan Parsons is the engineer and creates the sound, mm-hmm. Eric Wolfson was very much the heart and voice of the Alan Parsons project. And he passed away some 15 years ago or so. And Fare Thee Well is a love letter back to Eric Wolfson. Mm -hmm. And he name drops all these different songs that Wolfson wrote in it. And at the Mm -hmm. end, there's even a line that says, son of wolf gone too soon, whatever. Your songs will live on. it's, It's the best part of this album. Not to say that the album is bad. I have thoughts on it. I prepared a review if anybody cares, but this first song is enough. To own the album, if you're a fan, it's oh, it's really right. touching. Wow, yeah. I don't you know. I, don't, I did start listening to it. Yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah. I did. Did you start at the, for the first track, "Fare Thee Well"? I did. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I like listening in order. Yeah, because I figure a yeah. lot of artists like you know they want it to be presented a certain way. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. certainly of a certain generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, we, we, we can bring this up at all because uh, even though the Alan Parsons project formed before the 1980s, his biggest hit was in the 1980s, uh, mm-hmm. Eye in the Sky, that uh, John mentioned, oh my which gosh. charted at number three. This is shocking to me that yes. it would be even number three. I knew it was a hit, but number three in the mm-hmm. Billboard Hot 100. And the album of the same name that it came from was number seven on the Billboard 200. Yeah. Yeah. That's his biggest, his biggest hit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That song. My sister and I, we used to um, pretend like we were a band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was one of our songs that yeah. we would perform. That right. and Eye of the Tiger, because we thought that was cool. We had oh, yeah. Sky, Eye of the Sky and, and the, the Tiger. tiger. Yeah. And they came out like a month apart. Yeah. So they were both on the radio all the time. Huh. <laughs> and almost everyone knows the prelude to Eye in the Sky called Sirius, which is ah. the song now associated with the Chicago Bulls entrance theme. Right. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that's literally just the intro to Eye in the Sky. That's all that was on the album. They actually, <laughs> uh, on the uh, on Cobra Kai, the, uh, they had that, they used uh, yeah. Sirius. 
when Johnny tells Miguel he's going to be a sensei, they have it. They can't be kicking. Yeah. <laughs> they, maybe that's why it was so familiar to me. I don't remember it from back yep. then, but I did listen and I was like, I feel like I've heard this before. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Maybe from Cobra Kai. <laughs> or, or maybe you heard it because even before the Bulls used it in the 90s, Ricky uh, Steamboat to Dragon, or Ricky the Dragon, Ricky the Dragon <laughs> Steamboat used it as his entrance music. Oh my gosh. In the 1980s. Yeah. Maybe. maybe that I want to see a steamboat dragon. That sounds cool. <laughs> Dragon, I want a dragon see, boat. A steamboat steam dragon steam. motorboat? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's move on. All right. Hey. Another, another 1980s news. As told to Collider, Robert England blew his audition for a completely different Stranger Things character. <laughs> Folks who caught up on uh, Stranger Things season four, Stranger Things mm -hmm. four, as I believe it's known, uh, know that uh, Robert England has a prominent role in this store, current story. It's... And it's hard to imagine a better fit for him playing the role, which is Victor Creel. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Because not only is he a horror legend, but the latest season's Big Bad is definitely a take on England's most iconic role, uh, that mm -hmm. of uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, the Big Bad in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Mm -hmm. um, while England was perfectly cast in this season, he revealed to Collider that he originally auditioned for a different role in season three, one that he <laughs> didn't get. Yes, he wrote the... Uh, he told Collider, quote, I don't know whether they changed the concept for the role or whether I did a sucky job at the audition. <laughs> I know they said to me, read it like the mayor from Jaws. Now, that's one of my favorite character actors, Murray Hamilton, who played the role in Jaws. So I immediately thought of the plaid jacket and sunglasses and kind of a corrupt Southern thing. So I probably canceled myself out with that audition, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. So and maybe they didn't know what they were going for yet. And we're just sort of circling it. And, you know, you see a bunch of presentations and then ultimately mm -hmm. figure out who you want. Uh, of mm -hmm. course, if folks may recognize the description or uh, from, or, or, or may recognize which character with Stranger Things was season three, we're talking about because uh, it was the mayor, Larry Klein mm -hmm. uh, of Hawkins that ultimately, that role that ultimately went to Carrie Elways. And if mm -hmm. the creators mm -hmm. had a certain look in mind, then you couldn't get to disparate looking actors and Carrie Elways and, <laughs> and Robert <laughs> yeah. England. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't, I almost wouldn't say that England probably blew his his shot. It was just that they were looking for a very different look for that character, yeah. and mm -hmm. England would never have played it the way that Elwes did. He yeah. would just he would look different, different presentation. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm glad that they held him for the role that he did in four because oh, it was yeah. a single episode, but super impactful and pivotal to the story. Yeah. Did you yeah. guys know it was him at the time you were watching? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I when I heard his voice, I knew it was him. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. You didn't? I yeah. didn't. I didn't. I read oh. about it after. I was like, uh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I don't, I, I assume I would have recognized him. I'm a huge fan of his going back to the mm -hmm. 1980s and prior, you know, going back to V when he was in V playing the character of Willie, mm -hmm. um, which is sort of his breakthrough role. I think he was nominated for an Emmy, Emmy for that, which is kind of insane to think, but it was the mm -hmm. most popular miniseries at the time. But I, I did know he was going to be in the show playing that role even before I saw it. So, uh, oh, so you knew even yeah. ahead of time. Okay. Did, did you also um, read that he, when he had the opportunity to audition for the role of Victor Creel, he yep. jumped in his bathtub? <laughs> he auditioned in his bathtub. <laughs> yeah. He took a very different approach. You're right. He said he crawled, not only did he crawl in his bathtub, he was wearing an old bathrobe. Right. His right. wife sat on a toilet seat and yeah. filmed him with her smartphone. And filmed him. Maybe that's what mm. was missing from the first audition. He needed to jump in his bathtub. No bathtub. No that's bathtub. What it was. And he says he got <laughs> yeah. a quick response that time saying he got the role. So mm -hmm. there you go, kids. Yep. 
get a spouse or a parent, sit on a toilet and film you. <laughs> Don't Google that. There's probably a lot of videos like that. Don't Google those words. <laughs> hey, another 1980s news. Talk about uh, things you don't want to see. Uh, as reported by Today, Chucky terrorizes an Alabama neighborhood. Oh, so funny. The 31-year-old Kendra Walden was in her car with two other women when she first spotted a life-sized version of the murderous doll from the 1988 horror film Child's Play walking down the street in an Alabama neighborhood. Walden said she thought she was hallucinating. I think I would think the same thing. I mean, and with it not being anywhere near Halloween, right? Like, <laughs> well, not only, yeah, but I mean, being the, you know, being the size, like three feet tall or whatever it is, two and a half yeah. feet yeah, tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. pictures, it's just surreal. It's hard. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, it's really creepy. You know what? I couldn't help thinking. I kept reading the article, going, "All right, get to the part where somebody shot him," because if oh, I no. saw oh, a life size no. Chucky running yeah. around, you know, my instinct is like, "Oh, selfie!" My my, my Die is my yes, instinct. Right. <laughs> I know how this film ends. Right. Get out of him, Charles Leroy. Or whatever the guy's Good name. memory. Wow, Will. Walden said that uh, when they got closer to him, they saw it was real. And it scared the heck out of us. Everyone in the car was screaming like little kids. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Walden said her employee turned the car around so that she could get a closer look. And when they circled mm-hmm. back, they saw the five-year-old boy had his mask off, but quickly popped it back on mm. and crossed the street after he passed. <laughs> and then he was stabbed in the face. Uh, John, <laughs> just on this kid being, I'm, I'm, Chucky being killed. He's asking for it. I but you're going to dress like someone who wants to be, who needs to be killed. I agree with you, John. <laughs> Someone's yeah. going to freak out. There are people who aren't right in the head mm-hmm. and they're going to see that. To quote right. my mom, my beloved mother, still yes. alive and kicking, yes. when I would dress up as something stupid on Halloween- yeah. Some crazy's going to see you and do that to you for real. And that's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking about this poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I, I put a cut on my face. Some crazy's going to see you and do that for real. Mm. Oh, it my never gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This kid was lucky. Uh, mm. and apparently, mm. lucky he just made it across the street uh, safely because <laughs> she, right? uh, she rolled and uploaded three photos to her Facebook. And folks, not everybody had a, you know, a cute reaction to this kid. Some of them were just mm-hmm. concerned for his rearing. And I think this is related directly to our letting our your kids it, grow up. Uh, it is, it is indeed. Run him down. Hit him with the car. <laughs> uh, Walden said that some po- people posted really rude things regarding him crossing the street alone and so mm-hmm. forth. He did cross the street alone, but he looked both ways and made sure we were stopped before crossing. Oh, very responsible, little Chucky. <laughs> she added, it's sad to see so many people come at this mother for allowing her child to have some fun. With his grandmother close by watching it all. I wish everyone would be more positive. Mm-hmm. The grandmother watching him get stabbed by John. <laughs> Die, Chucky! There's not a jury on the planet. <laughs> not in Alabama, that's for sure. Right. You stabbed a kid? Whoa, 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 look at the picture. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, you were standing your ground. S- right. Right. Castle Sentence doctrine. commuted. Chucky was coming at me. Yep. Of course I stabbed him yep. in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. You know goodness. what? We're not even going to take this to trial. That picture is nightmare-inducing. It's horrible. Thank you for your service, John. It's quite the <laughs> Well done. If you see another one, do it again. Thank you, sir. It's a good thing you were busy at your conference. Jeez. <laughs> right. Uh, he probably smashed your windows. He's probably the one. Hey, you know the 1980s news as reported in the New York Times. You know, just so you know it's got to be a serious story. Mm. Is New York mm-hmm. Times. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly the saddest oh, yeah. story we're going to talk about. The Choco Taco is discontinued. Mm. Oh, do the voice. Do the voice what? for this. Choco Taco. What voice? The, 
true crime voice. A chuckle chuckle ice cream snack. <laughs> Just so I can annoy John. Enjoy your choco balls. Oh, choco. Oh, there you go. Okay. Damn, I am choco so balls. slow today. I, I, you think I wasn't rested? <laughs> If we mention you had a month off oh. <laughs> without this us. This is what we get. Yeah. So, hey, that nut and chocolate topped ice cream snack first introduced in 1983 is being discontinued. It's creator confirmed this week after rumors of its impending demise. I hadn't heard the rumors. Quite frankly, I didn't know the Choco Taco was still around until not that long mm. ago. I'd say about a month or so within the last six weeks, uh, the ice cream truck that comes to our neighborhood uh, had Choco Tacos. And I loaded up my fridge. Uh, Are you guys fans of Choco Tacos? Have you had a Choco Taco? I don't think I've ever had one. Oh, hell yes. (laughs) I've had enough for me and Kat. It's okay. Okay, Okay. there you go. I will only feel sad about this if Mm -hmm. I never get the chance to have one. But when I was younger, I I was fruity. I was all about the strawberry and the raspberry or creamsicle. Mm. I would choose a creamsicle over anything with chocolate. Creamsicle's good. So my favorite ice cream truck snack is... The Nutty Buddy, also known as the drumstick, ah, okay. which is effectively the same ingredients yeah. as mm-hmm. a Choco Taco. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, a, a Choco Taco is to a drumstick like a regular taco is to a burrito. It's the same crap. Mm-hmm. It's it's lettuce and yes. burger, you know, hamburger and beans and cheese and whatever. <laughs> but the, the but they had the audacity, the audacity to announce this on Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, they announced that the Choco Taco, you couldn't do it on Wednesday. You couldn't oh, do it on Monday. That. that was just salt in the wound. Oh, no. That was just nuts oh. in the wound. Klondike. Choco balls in the wound. <laughs> yeah, the uh, Klondike announced, unfortunately, or, or they posted on Twitter, unfortunately, the Klondike Choco Taco has been discontinued. We've mm. experienced an unprecedented spike in demand across our portfolio and how to make very tough decisions to ensure availability of our full portfolio nationwide. What? What do they what? have? What would you do for a Klondike bar? That's one product. Choco Taco, okay. two products. What else is, are people looking for from Klondike? <laughs> it's baffling to me that they can't somehow keep producing this. The hell of it is, look, they still make the drumsticks. It's the same oh. ingredient. Did they lose the technology to fold it in a crescent? What is the part they can't do anymore? <laughs> now John's going to have to buy a drumstick and smash it down. That's right. I'm going to get together. drumsticks and a panini press and start making my own damn Choco Tacos. Lay them opposite <sighs> each other. and Oh, my gosh. You'd have is to heat this, it up a little, too. Yeah. Yeah, a little melt. Well, you got to melt it and then yeah. refreeze it. Yeah, of course. Is this like yeah. a Disney vault trick? I've given it thought. Mm. I have given it thought. Remember when they canceled Twinkies and brought those back? Yeah. I assume this is a ploy. Oh. Look, they're not out of chocolate. They're not out of nuts. They're not yeah. out of waffle cones. I no. call bullshit. Chocolate yeah. tacos coming back. <laughs> it's, it's definitely the most creative product in the ice cream, you know, the, what, the yeah. pantheon of ice cream foods. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, many to many fans, they mourn the loss on social media, mm-hmm. uh, bemoaning that it tasted like summer or childhood or a beloved memory, even if they hadn't had one in many years. And again, I had one just a few weeks ago. John's having <laughs> one right now. It's coming back. Um, Mark my words. This is a ploy. It's like new Coke. Oh, we're getting rid of it. Yeah. So it, now would we have talked about Choco Taco if they had not announced the end of yep. it? No. So now everybody's talking about it. They're going to bring it back next summer and everybody's going to rejoice like it's freaking pumpkin lattes at Starbucks. 
or maybe the McRib. The re- McRib is back. <laughs> to really, yeah. we really hit on something that John's passionate about more than Alan Parsons. Oh, I'm being manipulated if by they, Klondike, and, and I they, don't care for if it. If they really wanted the new go the new Coke route, John, to they should release the Choco Burrito, and everyone's going to hate that. <laughs> mm. ah. I don't know. That sounds all right. <laughs> Ali, Alex Alexis Ohanian, the co-founder of Reddit, was among those hoping he could find a way to return. He tweeted, Dear Unilever, who's the owner of uh, Klondike, I'd like to buy the rights to your Choco Taco and keep it from melting away from future generations' childhoods. Stephen King tweeted, If Choco Tacos are gone, what's next? Hershey pies, salt and vinegar potato chips, baseball, American democracy? I tell you, this is how it starts. John could have tweeted that as well. Yes. (laughs) You know, to both of your points uh, here regarding this being a scam, maybe, uh, just recently, Klondike tweeted something that offers a glimmer of hope, saying, we're working hard to find a way to bring Choco Tacos back to ice cream trucks in the coming years. So, I don't know. I'm I'm so shocked. You guys are right. How about a Choco Chalupa? That's a pretty good That'd be fun. That'd be fun. A double decker. Yeah. Oh, we could do a, a, a fajita Dorito Locos Choco Taco. <laughs> it's an ice cream sandwich folded in a <laughs> nutty butter or whatever that was. Folded in a. What, you'd have to do some kind of uh, what's that word when you combine two words together? Uh, Portmanteau. Chocolupa. Chocolupa. There you go. Chocolupa. Chocolupa. Oh, all right. There you go. Oh, and that's Will's audition to work at Taco Bell. There you go. Hey, in other 1980s news, San Diego Comic Con 2022 just uh, finished uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it kicked off with a trailer for the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the Mm -hmm. movie that we uh, criticized for having probably the most I don't know lackluster (laughs) or uh, uninteresting, unexciting subtitle of uh, in Mm -hmm. our recent memory. For those who don't mm-hmm. uh, recall, uh, the film will star Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Reggae Jean Page, and Justice Smith, among others. The uh, scenes in the trailer showcase all the dragons and swords and fantasy. What? <laughs> among others. I, and uh, then I thought of Hugh Grant. Uh, yeah, he, he got reduced <laughs> among others. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> and him. <laughs> hey, you know, he's not really prominently featured in the trailer. I don't know. I, we don't know what's going on with him in that thing. Uh-huh. Um, but the trailer did. Uh, did uh, it, while it didn't feature Hugh Hugh Grant, it did uh, show off a number of dragons and swords and it's kind of fantasy elements that uh, we associate with the role-playing game. I found him in there, though. I watched the whole thing. Oh, I'm yeah, like, he's in where, it. It's just where's a, Hugh Grant? Okay, so you did see it. It's him. a yeah, blink yeah. and you miss it type of... It is, yeah. Moment, yeah. <laughs> the uh, synopsis of the... Uh, the official uh, synopsis of the film is a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic but things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. What you, what you, the wrong people, person, uh, <laughs> and others. Uh, what do you guys think? You watched the challenge? Are you, are you interested now? I'm interested. It looks fun and funny. Mm-hmm. And I think I could be entertained by it, even though I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I would miss a lot of the references, mm-hmm. perhaps, but I think I could still enjoy it. I'm not sure what would make me happy for this film because Uh part of me is like, look, I I didn't dislike it, right? I'm keeping an open mind, but the trailer was, it was so on the nose fan service. Mm. Like, look everyone, an owlbear. Look everyone, a gelatinous cube. Look everyone. Like it's everything (laughs) that you associate with the D&D basic set you got Mm -hmm. in 1981. 
and they like they flip through the monster manual. Let's make sure we show all of this. Yeah. And I'm worried that they think that's what the movie needs to be. It's okay if that stuff is in there, mm-hmm. but they brought it up front in the trailer. Was that just to make sure that people knew it was in it, or is it just mm-hmm. a big fan service film full of you know excerpts from the monster manual? Just say, look, we have one of these. Look, we have one of these, and now it's a D and D movie. Yeah. So. I'm I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm cautiously neutral about it because Mm. I'm not sure. Like if I didn't see that stuff, would I have felt better? I don't know. Maybe Mm -hmm. that was the right thing to show. But what do you think, Will? Uh, You know, John, I think it's, I think it's one of the two things you suggested. The one being that they want to make sure that the fans are not, are on board. Because as you know, Mm -hmm. we've had some Dungeons and Dragons films. I think the most recent one was in 2000. It was terrible. And it wasn't like Mm -hmm. so bad, it's good. It's so bad, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they want to assure fans right away, hey, we are fans too. Because you know what? It reminds me like, you know, we've had some uh, folks, uh, we have fan service films, as you know, and some of them get it right, some of them get it wrong. But I think the ones that like, like the Ghostbusters Afterlife, where it's made from a genuine place of, I love this stuff too. Mm-hmm. I think if you convey that in the trailer, then, you know, I don't know if they were successful, like you're pointing out, John, but I think that some of these things, like you're saying, it came in the basic set, but the basic set, like you pointed out, that's really old. So mm-hmm. to go like for some of those deep cuts, like the Atlas cube, like the mimic, mm-hmm. I, I think yep. folks that are fans are like, oh, okay, they, they know me or they know it. They know the material and that's comforting. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I just had an epiphany. I think I yep. know why I'm gun shy. Okay. I have the same feeling about this trailer yeah. that I had about the Adam Sandler film Pixels. Okay. Mm. Look, it's like, oh, look, we have Pac-Man in it. We have Centipede in it. We have Donkey Kong in it. Yeah. And I watched the trailer and went, it's for me. It's respecting the this, this thing from my childhood. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then when I saw the film, the stuff was in it, but they weren't respecting the material. They were just mm. like, look, it's that. Look, it's yeah. that. Love us. And that's not the same mm having it in your movie is not the same as respecting it and showing homage to it. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if D and D is going to do that or not. That's, that's, I think that's what's got me cautious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess. Uh, unlike you're sure. being neutral. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. This is going to be good All right. uh, because of those little details we talked about. And I'm just optimistic. Little, what's that? I'm just optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Just generally speaking. Yeah. We need that. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, okay. like Kat mentioned, that the 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 other uh, you know the the other thing this trailer accomplishes is get at folks that don't even know D and D interested because it's just exciting and fun. At least it, it does seems look fun, that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and funny. Yeah, it looks like there's some good humor too. in there. Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, among all the Easter eggs, as John mentioned, is this owl bear, which actually isn't an owl bear so much as it's a druid turning into an owl bear using a magic spell that the druids are oh. able to cast. Controversy is already run amok. Is that the right Uh-oh. way? Uh, among the, the hardest core fans who are pointing out that a druid can't technically wild shape into an owlbear because an owlbear is a monstrosity, not a beast. Oh, I didn't even think to. That's like ask the guys watching that. Godzilla movies and yeah. they're okay with, okay, radioactive lizard, Check. radioactive moth, Fine. radioactive bird, mm-hmm. but you can't breathe fire underwater. That's yeah. bull. Right? So, like, well, that's where you're drawing the line? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, my, I still remember this as an example from years ago. Uh, seeing, I think it was seeing the original Superman or one of the, of that, I think it was the original Superman. Someone oh. pointing out, come on, in New York City, getting a parking spot right in front of the Daily Planet? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's what you're paying attention to? Is okay. Unbelievable. You're okay with the alien who arrived naked yeah. in a little spaceship and was okay when he landed. Superpowers. So characters can't turn into the owl bear. Oh, you really want to know? So a druid can <laughs> transform into 
animals. Let's say okay. beasts. Okay. Okay. So you, you know you've got your whatever you would consider like an animal in real life. Okay. Like a turn genuine animal. Things. Yeah. Like an owl. Yeah. A bird, or a dog, a bear, <laughs> yeah, a camel, some, a horse. There are some, uh-huh. I'm sure, fantasy creatures. I can't think of offhand that are considered beasts, which is the cl- certain classific- classification in Dungeons and Dragons that aren't necess- that are fantasy, but a, a druid mm-hmm. could. Now, other mm-hmm. types of creatures that are considered monstrosities or monsters okay. are called monstrosities, and I think in five E even oh. they can't. An owl bear okay. is a monstrosity, although some could argue it. it re- whatever, it's so super nerdy, cat. <laughs> Originally, I think the owlbear, and like to John's point, I think in like uh, in, in a D and D rule in one, the first version of the rules, I think it might have been a beast at the time. I think oh, only recently okay. they started changing it, and I think it's going back. So there's definitely a history where it could be a beast, and it's fun. Who gives a crap? It's a fake movie. <laughs> it's a fake movie. And so, okay, so but it sounds like it would be a thing all on its own, not something that somebody turns into. It would it would just be an owlbear. Oh yeah, and well, then. Yeah. But Mr. Okay. Lucas, right. a Tauntaun can't breathe. I thought he needs a certain amount of oxygen. Okay. Well, future Robert would be here soon. Hi, Future Robert. Um, yeah. Yes. And you can encounter I'm just- furious. You could encounter an owl bear, like a real one in the, in the, in the game and fight an owl yes. bear, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. But a druid th- theoretically does not have the arsenal in a druid's bag of abilities to become okay. a monstrosity. Well, I did wonder about that. I was like, oh, okay. But it looks super cool. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, and now, and now, cat. Sorry, she asked. No one wants to see it transforming <laughs> into an actual owl or an actual bear. Right. Why well, don't a bear be cool? Yeah, riding a horse and then turning into a human or a, a tiefling. Mm. All right. Hey, that was 1980s nerds. Not new. <laughs> Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we are finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. You can find the All 80s Movies Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Please subscribe, and happy listening. Hey, we're back, folks. It doesn't feel like it. I don't feel like we're back. I want to say it feels like we never left, but it does. It feels like we left and didn't come back for six months. And I was like, oh, do we do a podcast? Which <laughs> buttons do I press? <laughs> it's both. I feel like we were just doing this and mm. it's forever, but I don't have to it push It feels super comfortable to me. Like I, I really <laughs> missed hanging out with you guys. There's something Aww. about this show <laughs> that it's, it's a show that I don't have ultimate responsibility for and I'm so relaxed with you guys because I sit here and yuck it up and then Will does all the work and does all the editing and then all the promotion hey. and I just sit back and go, I wonder what he's going to do. And if it's good and funny, that's John there. That's the magic. Yeah. If the quality is is waning, uh, I take full responsibility. Yeah. yeah, Will really pulled a boner on that one. Nice job, Will. Oh. Well, you know, it's just like in uh, Peter Pan when uh, Tinkerbell needed your claps or so Peter Pan said he was lying the claps that come back <laughs> please like rate review subscribe <laughs> to reinvigorate at least me John, John and Kat they're fine 
<laughs> so is Will saying that he's saying he needs the claps, but he's lying like Peter Pan? Oh. Yes. Mm. Ooh, I am saying that. He doesn't really care what you oh. think. Thumbs down well, this show. True. ASAP. Well, that's true. He doesn't care. I do care what you put on the thing because of the algorithms and all that. But honestly, yeah, I guess yeah. if you. Hey, on today's episode, as we mentioned, we're going to be speaking about uh, whether or not parents should live, uh, let their kids rather live like the characters on Stranger Things. Uh, this was inspired by a July 16th article in the New York Post by Lenore Skenazy or Skenazy? Shamil, Shamazel. Shamazel. Pots and River Incorporated. Incorporated. So so in this article, uh, (laughs) Lenore writes that the Netflix hit Stranger Things stars a bizarre otherworldly species. And no, I'm not talking about demogorgons or demon birds. I'm talking about kids who ride bikes, solve problems, and fight monsters all without their moms. (laughs) The article goes on to explain all, you know, some of the ways in which Stranger, the reality of Stranger Things and that of the 1980s differs from the helicopter parenting style that's, uh, you know, at least, uh, I don't know how common it is necessarily. I didn't re- research that statistic, but certainly right. uh, we are aware it's more popular than uh, it was generations ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She points out that a survey, a recent survey just from July, found out that just 10% of American parents with kids aged seven and nine ever let them stay home by themselves. Mm-hmm. And one in five said they wouldn't even let their teens do that. For different reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen these teens? Yeah. I mean, really. You got to turn off your internet access. Lock the liquor cabinet. Oh. <laughs> uh, in addition, the survey of 2,500 American mm-hmm. parents commissioned by safehome.org revealed that mm-hmm. parents don't feel comfortable yeah. letting their kids walk to school, yeah. ride their bike to a friend's place, or play a play in a park unsupervised until they are at least 12 years old. And 12 mm-hmm. years old becomes a sort of a pivot point for parents in this survey because at 12 years, then they pretty much left them to do whatever. So I think the question for us really is when we're considering these different activities in the context of how we were raised in the 1980s, mm-hmm. were we younger than 12 when we were doing some of these things? So, you know, ultimately we had some of these, these, these freedoms, but um, I would argue today that I had the, the, I was born at the exact right year and I had just the right parents. I had a perfect Gen X childhood. And I, I, it helped probably that I wasn't like in the city. So I was, I was very rural. Mm. So there's a lot more freedoms that come with being rural because you got a long way to go before you can find trouble. Right. So you're in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) So that helps. But I mean, we lived in a mobile home that Mm -hmm. had a gas stove with a pilot light and I was cooking. I was warming up SpaghettiOs or whatever, Mm -hmm. cooking an egg poorly, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. But (laughs) yeah, there's something about, I don't know why, why are Gen X parents, they're the ones who grew up to be the helicopter parents you're talking about, Will. Yep. It's like we overcompensated funny? for something. It's like, did we think we were missing something or we lied? I think we were lied to by the media to think that we didn't get enough love or attention. I, I think there's some things from our experience that perhaps we did decide, yeah, that wasn't a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, per, and, and then brought that with us and maybe it's being applied to too many things. It's being blanketed over yeah. too, too I, I many aspects, we were wrong. Aspects, <laughs> I, I, think, right? <laughs> I think, I think we would, the, the stranger things kids have it right. <laughs> They're learning something that we're not teaching kids yeah. today. And so, it's, it's not the kid's fault. It's our fault. With regard to how did we get here? You know, I did some digging and I read a lot of stuff and uh-huh. I made a bunch of notes. Why don't I just tell you sort of what I recall a couple mm-hmm. of okay. things, I suppose. Uh, going back, you know, prior to the 20th century, um, 
a cor- corporeal punishment? Mm. Like, you mean it's not a ghost? <laughs> Cor- corporal is punishment? That, is that at all like corporeal punishment? Corporal punishment? God damn it, John. It's, it's a phantasmic punishment. I'm going to cut it out and make you make it sound like you said corporeal punishment. <laughs> corporal punishment was the norm. Uh, was the norm. And, and everybody believed that was correct. You know, in fact, I found something that said that this goes right. back to the idea that uh, at some point, you know, I think the, the Puritans believed that children were born inherently evil. And so you had to stay on top of them. And if they diverged at all, you got to get on them with the stick, you know? Right. Can't spare the rod. Um, <laughs> Some folks suggest, so two things. One, as we went, one of the studies I read said that as we moved towards the more uh, hippie era of the 1960s, mm-hmm. notions of that started laxing. And uh, we see a divergence now where folks that are more educated, whereas in the past it didn't matter. People that are more educated start seeing corporal punishment as bad and people mm-hmm. who are less educated are still with the corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. Moving to today, mm-hmm. it's kind of generally thought of for the most part that that's bad. Right. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. Again, it was originally suggested maybe, uh, you know, uh, education. But I think the other the other thing that I read that was more interesting was this idea that they suggested that it, now moving into the 20th century from the 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, at the income equality, uh, inequality rather, became greater. And the mm-hmm. need for mm-hmm. higher education to get a higher paying job became more important. Mm-hmm. So that in mm-hmm. the mid 80s, you started having parents where they could lead their kids to be, become whatever they wanted. And oftentimes they just followed in their family's footsteps mm-hmm. to make around the same as everybody else. Instead, parents started really trying to get their kids to get good grades, get in better schools so that they could uh, compete and ultimately get higher salaries as we moved into the nineties and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's one theory as to why people, you know, we have helicopter parents mm-hmm. now managing every nuance of our children's lives. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a thought about, Corporeal punishment or corporal, depending yeah, it's on the same. perspective. I mean, they have to, it has to be corporeal. No, it, well, it does. If right. it's ethereal yeah. punishment, it you don't feel body. that at all. <laughs> Excellent point. Good save. Now, I don't want to scapegoat all of this, but a lot of the transition between the childhood that we had in the 80s yeah. and the childhoods that are subsequent coincided with the rise of the 24-hour news cycle where Mm, you have CNN, you have MSNBC, and you have all these Mm -hmm. networks that need to fill it with something. And Mm -hmm. no one wants to watch good news. So you show (laughs) the worst of human nature, the people Mm -hmm. that are are tortured, the people that are hurt, the people that are mistreated, the people that are unfairly demonized. Mm -hmm. So everything that happened was already happening, but now we were more aware of it. And so the corporal punishment, suddenly corporal punishment was being erroneously equated to child abuse. Mm-hmm. Well, if you lay your hands on your child, that's child abuse. Right. I got plenty of whippings. Well, you know what? Let me dial that back. I got a select few whippings okay. that are memorable. <laughs> uh-huh. They hurt, but they didn't keep hurting after about five minutes and they're still in my head. And I know the lesson that I was taught with those. They, they were for transgressions for which I was in great danger. And mm. I was like, hey, this is a lesson we're going to teach you not to do this again. Right. And I learned that lesson. Mm-hmm. Whereas now if you lay hands on a child, it, it very easily gets, oh, you're beating your kid. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, but that's not the same as child abuse. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much in this news cycle that has, we have allowed to let us think that that's the norm. And it's not. That's the exception. And mm-hmm. then it damages mm-hmm. the norm. Good point. Hey. 
So yeah, I think the lesson, you know, John is saying, beat your kids, folks. Um, <laughs> Maybe you weren't listening. <laughs> I, I really wasn't. What was it? Was there a belt Not involved? A so yeah, yeah. There was at one point. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's oh, interesting yeah. that you say, John, say it that way, John, because- it, it, it makes me think that, you know, all the things that we didn't have in the 1980s that maybe are good ideas now, but we like to poo-poo them, like bike helmets and seat belts and uh, maybe avoiding secondhand smoke. Um, uh-huh. What your family did for you was said, look, you don't have a helmet on, stupid. So if you're going to try to jump a ramp that your friends made out of plywood, you may fall and get hurt. So I'm going to hit you now so you know what pain is and know that don't do that dumb thing. I'm, I'm not taking, I'm not criticizing your parents you know, the way that they raised you, but more criticizing the fact that maybe we should have just had things safer. Now, I don't know what you were doing. You might've been doing something crazy. So maybe no, <laughs> no amount of uh, five point uh, harnesses would have kept you safe. I wonder what he was up to. <laughs> it's a story for another day. Yes. Oh, do you remember even? <laughs> oh yeah. I told you, oh, I learned those lessons. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so John, you do, you do remind me though, that one of the things I read and actually it came up in this, this article that we, we, from the New York post that we talked about was this author suggests that we, since we didn't allow kids the freedom, we don't allow kids the freedom today that we had in the 1980s. One of the consequences may be the increased levels of anxiety children have today. Right. The Athena health study concluded that between 2013 and 2017, the uh, percent of pediatric patients with anxiety more than doubled. This journalist says that uh, perhaps if you trusted your children or made them or let them believe that you trusted them with more freedom and independence, they would have less anxiety. I take issue with that, but I'll pause. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that's a little a little too simplistic. I think yeah. there's so many other <laughs> factors in children's lives that are um, not in parents' control uh, that are perhaps contributing to anxiety. Perhaps number one being uh, like social media. Um, I feel like that there's, there's just... Uh, like the, like the 24-hour news cycle thing, John, mm-hmm. like, you know, that you mentioned. Um, there's just so much stimuli and it's, it's and, and so much of it is negative. And um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure that this, this is a simple, <laughs> yeah, like, I, oh, let's I, just I, let our kids <laughs> roam around and do whatever I don't want, disagree with want. you, Kat. I mean, I, you're, you're right. It's trite to say, well, it's a different world we live in today, but it's true. It's, it's certainly true. The, yeah. Look, things happened. As Generation Xers, we lived through so many paradigm shifts in, mm-hmm. in, in social issues and technology and culture. We saw it all shift from mm-hmm. one thing to another, like no other mm-hmm. generation has. Maybe, maybe in the 40s, but even then they didn't have the technological advancements. And the point is, yeah, yeah. where I'm going with this is, yes, it's a different world we live in, but the, the things that, that I tried to impart as a parent, and it wasn't easy, but it worked okay. It wasn't perfect, but if you illustrate to a child that you think they are incapable of doing something, mm-hmm. they're going to believe you because yes. you're their parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If yeah. you impart to them that I believe you can do more than you can, mm-hmm. they might start to believe that too. You're in, mm-hmm. instilling them with, well, somebody believes in me. Right. But mm-hmm. if the parent thinks you're incapable of cooking on an open flame, of walking outside and playing by yourself, of I remember riding my bicycle to school in elementary school, and it was, I don't know how many miles and blocks it was, and I was terrified the first time. I'm going to get lost. I'm going to get abducted. I'm going to fall and break my leg. <laughs> it turns out I just went to school, 
And then I came home from school and did it again and again every day. And I'm like, this is awesome. I own this little town because I could ride my bike around. Nobody taught me that. They instilled it in me by, um, how am I going to get to school? You're going to ride your damn bike. Next question. (laughs) Can I do that? Well, yeah. You know how to ride the bike, right? Your school is. Do it. (laughs) I think you, you are teaching your children what they can and can't do simply by whether you yep. act, not what you say, but what you show you believe Absolutely. in. Absolutely. I'm trying to think, like you, you remind me, like, I feel like as much, I had a lot of freedom in the 1980s, certainly, mm-hmm. like we're talking about here, you know, walking to school, cooking when you got mm-hmm. home, your own lunch or whatever, that yep. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there was some aspects of things that my mother did, not, she wasn't like helicopter parenting us. And I say my mother specifically, cause my dad, I don't, he wasn't, he was, he came in to be a disciplinarian occasionally when it was, you know, <laughs> and mostly just cause he was just so pissed off about something. He had to oh, intervene. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till you hear what your son did. So like if, if, if you hear dad getting off the couch, you're fucked. That's it. You're done. No. If oh, you, if spring. those springs start to squeak. Oh man! Um, but uh, I was going to say though that, but, but so among all the freedoms, but I, my, my mom was far from a helicopter. Well, I shouldn't say that, but my mom was to still some extent a helicopter parent. I remember being terrified of getting lost in a store, getting abducted, mm-hmm. and mostly because my mother instilled that fear in me. You know, like stay, stay, stay over here, stay over here, stay inside of me, stay right there, right? right? Probably yeah. in part because, like, what you're saying, John. You know, you have all these missing kids uh, stories, and aliens are going to abduct people, and the Russians are going to mm-hmm. bomb us on the news yeah. and in the newspapers that it scared my parents too, at least mm-hmm. my mom into, you know, and then, so maybe I'm the exception to the rule, but in addition to having that, we all, I just, I certainly enjoyed a lot of the freedoms that you guys are talking about as well. Neither of my parents were helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in fact, I spent an inordinate amount of time in places where kids really shouldn't be spending time yeah. in bars <laughs> because right. that's, that's where they were. And I was, and I was with them. I guess you could call them helicopters that way. I was, but, um, and that's why I got to play a lot of pinball and, you know, some other fun games, you know, bowling, you know, like, a see, isn't it fun being in a place where you thing? don't belong? That's a, that's where you get to grow and stretch as a person and go, I'm, this is weird and alien to me and I'm going to adapt. And maybe yeah. I can do that the next time I'm in an awkward situation. You're, even, even hanging out in the bar with my dad and my mom showing up to go, what the hell are you doing at the bar with a kid? No, they were was, both there. Was they still, were both like, there. I was great. You know, I, I was having a great time until you showed up. It was great. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then they found me there in the park. You guys should have a podcast that's children of truck drivers. Yeah, there you go. That's us. So um, I would say, um, yes, there were definitely, um, you know, there, there was a little too, <laughs> little too much free range. And in fact... I uh, made a conscious decision that will never happen with my children for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, learned from that. I would wished my parents had a, a little, <laughs> a little more like, little now stay where I can see you. <laughs> if I circle this mm-hmm. back to what we were talking about, when Will asked us, what did we do on our summer vacation and said, we should write a hundred word essay about it at the beginning. You know, we was talking about what are you going to do next time? What about your car? You know, like, and I said, yeah. well, risk life is risk. Mm-hmm. And you can you can have a child and you can keep them hermetically sealed until they're 21. Right. And then when you release them into the wild, you know, they they still have their their pin feathers and they don't know how to fly yet and they're going to get they're going to get swallowed by the world. Mm-hmm. But if you let the kid go out and get dirty and get lost and go where he's not supposed to be, that's living. 
That's mm-hmm. that's the thing that builds character and interest. And that's mm-hmm. why Kat has a story about being in the bar with her parents. <laughs> yep. Right? You could have just had another <laughs> story true. about playing in your room, but instead you have this story about the bar. And that adds <laughs> character and dimension and depth and mm-hmm. being overcautious. You can have a kid, but if you're not letting them live a life, what are you preparing them for when you're gone? I was prepared to almost fall out of a truck because I didn't have a seatbelt on. <laughs> that, yeah, right in the back. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we rode in the back, but even in the cab, the passenger door was broken. It would just swing open going around a left-hand turn. Was there, did you have a rope? <laughs> there was a rope. My I know. Had a rope. I, yep. Yep. Yes. Watch out when I do a tight left. This rope is not going to cut it. <laughs> So I'm wondering, like, since these are things that you, cat's gone. Oh, cat's really gone. She remembered the rope, and that was oh, it. Gosh. We broke cat. Yeah, she's not coming back. Nope. Bye, bye, everyone. Yes, we'll see you next time when cat's with us once more. No, some of the things that we were able to do, like this, this story that cat's sharing. Do we? Were we more cautious letting our children do these kinds of things because we just got lucky? I mean, the fact that (laughs) Kat's not, you know, injured, dead, otherwise, because she was swinging on a rope from the back of a truck, she got lucky. Now she knows, hey, statistically speaking, I'm not going to let my kids chance it. I got lucky. Yeah, somewhere in there. That's, (laughs) I think, what's going on. Survival of the fittest. (laughs) This one, I found this one article on Uh some, uh, website called fatherly mm. from a, also from this mm-hmm. month by Patrick Coleman. And he ultimately what he decided, how he decided to raise his kids. Cause he was talking about the uh, benefits he thought of growing up in the 1980s. So the ones that were talking about the, you mm-hmm. know uh, the, the sense of self-esteem and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a bunch of words um, <laughs> <laughs> and much. others and other and others and Hugh Grant isms. <laughs> No, but so this guy, Patrick Coleman, pointed out that ultimately he decided to raise his kids balancing out these styles. Uh, I like that. Yes. I, okay. The Say one that more. struck me the most important is what John's talking about, and I think he touched upon too, and I realized I had been doing with my kids too, mm-hmm. is trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That their sense of autonomy and ultimately, therefore, their sense of uh, self-esteem, pride, you know, self-efficacy Mm-hmm. is based on how much they believe they can be trusted. Mm-hmm. And I think you can instill that in them while mm-hmm. still helicoptering in a sense, right? right. Yeah, I remember yeah, when yeah. raising my mm-hmm. kids, both of them, you know, I get, as I mentioned earlier, they're a big difference in age. Unlike my mother in a store saying, hey, go, you're fine. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they knew the lessons about talking to strangers, you know, being aware of the different yeah. dangers, but you're fine yeah. here. You're safe. Knowing mm-hmm. that I was going to secretly keep my eye on them and make sure that they were safe. Mm-hmm. They didn't right. have mm-hmm. to know that they, I was helicoptering. Right. The right. difference right. is rather than you being a shield in front of them, mm-hmm. you gave mm-hmm. them tools mm-hmm. and said, go use those tools. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like Learn, that. okay, yeah. the stranger yeah. rule, right? Taking candy from people, whatever, going in a place you don't know, that's sort of, mm-hmm. you know, be home before the street lights come on. You had a set of tools that if mm-hmm. you adhere to those tools, my parents yep. said, I'm going to be fine. And mm-hmm. when I was, every time it worked, mm-hmm. it gave me a little more confidence. Mm-hmm. There, there's a comedian named Doug Stanhope, who sure. I can't stand, but <laughs> he has one bit that has resonated with me that he has said that you should live your life with the concept of excess in moderation. 
meaning don't always be moderate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm. drink too much. Sometimes stay up too late. Sometimes mm-hmm. do crazy things. Don't do it every day. Mm-hmm. But if all you do is ever moderation, you never get to feel the rush of what mm. life is and the things that life has to offer and find out where the wall is and where's the barrier that too far is if you never mm. learn it. That excess and moderation, I think, applies in parenting, too. And it's what we got mm-hmm. to do. I got to do, certainly. I won't speak for you, but mm-hmm. some days I went too far outside of where I was supposed to and found out mm-hmm. that I didn't die. And I'm like, okay, I know it's too far now. I know what's out there. I don't have to do that every day, but I did it. I did the stand by me kind of road trip with my buddies one time. You know, I did that. So I got, I got that life experience. And you still had your corporeal being. I did. You're still right, intact. Everybody ease back. Okay. I'm coming back into, from vacation <laughs> and my fake vacation because I didn't really take a vacation. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, Kat, who, whose fault is it that Will didn't take the time off that he arranged? Oh, shit, um, it's Will's fault. Never mind. I'm sorry I didn't drive somewhere and get my window smashed in, okay? Oh, my God, this is going to, this is not, no, no. Look, look, guys. What I really want to say is now the real will is coming out. Ultimately, I've had enough rest. I was napping while John was talking just now. Ultimately, what else is new? This is not the show I want to have. It's the show we have. What is that about? You don't get the show you deserve. You get the show you whatever. I don't know. Um, So you make fun of the misadventures of others. That's what it comes back to you. I think we can wrap this up saying that. Uh, sociologist Annette LaRue that I uh, had read talked about the two different styles uh-huh. talking about the one in, in the 1980s as calling it as uh, free range or <laughs> something like that. Accomplishment of natural growth. Oh. Uh, the idea that uh, parents are there largely just to provide the basics, food, safety, shelter, love, and otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, facilitate a largely self-directed childhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Contrast it with what's more popular today concerted cultivation where parents are, you know, dictating every bit of minutia of a child's life. Coordinating play dates, all that kind of stuff. Uh. When children are raised in these two ways uh, and then are compared later in life, those who experience the natural growth are more resilient, more independent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. cultured cultivation tend to have a, a, a more a prolonged adolescence. But what are we saying? Hey, it sounds like ultimately a balance of these things. Yes, you know, a balance. But relying on the uh, techniques that we, or the freedoms that we had in the 1980s to ultimately produce uh, more self-sufficient yes. people. I think there's important. Im- important things from, from both <laughs> both times. Absolutely. To go back to your initial assertion that, hey, should we have kids living like they do in Stranger Things? Yes. Right. Well, right. Clearly they shouldn't be jumping between realities and fighting genuine evil and those sorts of things. That's quite hazardous. But Mm -hmm. the -hmm. things that 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 show represents, which is a sense of adventure, a sense of camaraderie, of standing Mm -hmm. by your friends against all odds. Mm -hmm. Those are great things that you don't learn when you're tucked under a wing. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. only learn when you're set out on your own a little bit to get a little dirty and get a little scuffed up yep. mm-hmm. and find out what it means to be a good friend or yeah. uh, a, a, a trusty colleague or or, mm-hmm. or 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 a good listener to someone. You don't know that stuff if all you ever know is what your parents told you. So right. I think yeah. we could have wrapped it up at the beginning. Should we let their kids be like Stranger Things? Yes. Yes, we should. Because you get a more rounded person in the end, probably, I think. 
when when I edit it, the show will go do that, John. So just cut straight to that. Cut straight to cut that. straight to just John answering start the question. The, start with yes. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> All right. Hey, that's the show. Hey, don't forget to join us on Thursday. We're going to be doing this live and looking for your input when we talk about the worst films with the best soundtracks, you know, the best mm-hmm. music. Uh, follow Thanks us on Facebook me. for more information about that. Hey, in the meantime, that's it, right? There's nothing else to talk about. No. Uh, hey, uh, we want to thank people. Uh, right. Hey, we want to thank, thank our supporters over there on uh, Patreon, including our early adopters like Karen Flieger and Kathy Burke. And uh, Rick Parker, and also our Secret of My Success level Patreon supporters, John Henderson, Craig Coletta, John Kaminsky, and the man himself that we're so glad to have back in addition with Cat, of course, John Reddick. Thank you, patrons. Awesome. All of you who went to patreon.com slash 1980s now to help us continue our efforts here. And hey, and we will be back with more efforts real soon uh, when we talk to you next time on 1980s now. See ya. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> 